Welcome to the Celestial Hour with Talia Rosa Almeida. Recently, I was meditating, and while I was in this meditation, I was delving more into my subconscious, and I was listening to one of my favorite albums. While I was in this meditation, I was focusing on the beat of the song rather than the lyrics, and I started having all of these ideas and thoughts kind of float to me, and they regarded linking the connection between music and the universal energies and all of the energy that's put into the creative processes. And I started ruminating on this and really taking it in. And it made me question, okay, so the universe, everything is made out of energy, but what does that really entail and how can we utilize this and kind of harness this to make it our own and our own advantage? Because everything spawned out of the universe, then in theory, you would be able to harness some of the energy and powers of the universe because it's a part of you. And as I was listening to this, music i was paying attention to the lyrics and how they sounded everything was just flooding and hitting me all of these thoughts and ideas and i wanted to really look into this and see if there was actual research behind it besides the thoughts in my own head and the theories that i was coming up with I have been working on a song for the past month or so, and I figured I can't effectively talk about music without releasing my own. I mean, I could've, but what fun is that? So at the end of this podcast, you can hear my song Without You for the very first time, and you can go stream it afterwards. I would like to start off the podcast with a quote from Plato saying, Music gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. And I think that is the best way to sum up this entire podcast. That's it. That's the podcast. Thank you for watching. I will see you next week. No, for real though, let's delve into what the universe is. So I went to the one place that I knew would have the information I needed, which was NASA. And I said, what is the universe? And you know what NASA had to say? They had to say a lot of shit, actually. But of the main points that I found was that the universe is everything. It includes all of space and all the matter and energy that space contains. Well, the Milky Way is one of billions of galaxies in the universe, all of them thought to have supermassive black holes at the center. And our planet and the solar system formed around 4.6 billion years ago. And the universe is 13.8 billion years old. That is fucking old. But it's not even just that. If it is so old, my point of all of this is it's gotta have some shit figured out. You know, you can't be functioning and running for that long without having some sort of system down. So scientists know how old the universe is because they measured the ages of the oldest stars and the rate at which the universe expands. And also, they would observe the Doppler shift in light from galaxies. And scientists found that if you go back in time far enough before the galaxies formed, everything was so close together and hot that atoms couldn't form and photons had nowhere to go. The entire universe was one spot. Now, a lot of us know this from school but i feel like we learn it and then we discard it but this information can be used to our advantage is my whole point here so then that makes me wonder what is the universe made of it's all the energy and matter there is much of the observable matter in the universe takes the form of individual atoms of hydrogen. It's the thought that the universe is so expansive and so mysterious, and at the core of it, it is just the simplest atomic element. 
but it also contains a bunch of matter and energy that we can't see or directly observe. This is where we start moving into my theory because we don't even know the full capacity of our own brains and what they can accomplish. So if we don't even know our own selves, we don't even know what's in the ocean and that's here on earth, how could we know everything in a more expansive zone? So about 27% of what is in the universe is dark matter and 68% is dark energy, neither of which are even remotely understood. And the universe wouldn't work if dark matter and dark energy didn't exist. But do know that they're only labeled dark because scientists can't seem to directly observe them. Not because they're evil or hold some mysterious power. No, it's just hard to observe them. And now that you know a little bit about just what the universe is, let's get into dark matter. Dark matter is just like ordinary matter except it originated from the big bang the amount of dark matter produced in the big bang has influenced the evolution of the universe that is a very specific amount of dark matter that was at the start of the universe if that number was any different there would be a shift in reality today similar to ordinary matter dark matter isn't distributed across the universe evenly and scientists saw that areas of the universe that had slightly more dark matter so more gravitational pull attracted more matter leading to the creation of the first stars and galaxies our leading hypothesis is that dark matter is made up of exotic particles that don't interact much with ordinary matter but are massive and therefore exert a gravitational pull why are these pockets of denser energy distributed in the ways that they are? Is it all coincidence? Is it accident? Or is there no coincidence? Is it all synchronicities? Now that you know a little bit about the universe, let's discuss what music is. That is such an expansive question. And let me just say, I'm gonna try my best. I'm gonna try my absolute best to give you a good rundown of what music is. It's gonna be a second, so buckle your fucking seatbelts. The first place I looked to was, let's look up the exact definition of what music is. Spoiler alert, it is extremely vague and disappointing. So the Oxford Dictionary says that music is vocal or instrumental sound, or both, combined in such a way as to produce beauty of form, harmony, and expression of emotion. Okay, that sounds poetic, but what the fuck? You know, like, give me more. Give me a little spice, a little pizzazz. So I dug deeper. What is music? I found an article that was talking with an ethnomusicologist. An ethnomusicologist is somebody who studies music in terms of itself and within the context of its society. It's the study of music as culture. That is such a vague term and that is how the ethnomusicologists describe them and even they said that that doesn't really cover everything that they focus on, but now you know. In this article, they started off saying music is humanly organized sound, but that's extremely broad, right? Because even unorganized sounds like airplane propellers have been used in music though, and those aren't humanly organized. So it's a universal behavior and universal preoccupation almost. Bonnie Wade, another ethnomusicologist, said that every known group of people in the world exercises their creative imaginations to organize sound in some way that is different from the way they organize sound for speech. But as I was in this meditation and listening and I was having all these thoughts, the lyrics began to sound like speech just organized in a different frequency or structure. They were choosing to get their message across on a different frequency, which is why they changed their tone and their pitch. The idea that I had was that we sing and we choose to get 
our message or words across in a way that is not our average normal speech patterns because speech has a specific tempo and pitch and pattern to it then if you want to get your ideas and messages or communicate on a larger scale how would you do that well you would have to start communing in a way that is copacetic to what you are trying to communicate with now if you're trying to manifest something and this is a very specific case of manifesting through music and putting in the lyrics what you want to happen there are countless examples where musicians and artists have had what they put in their music manifest for them in real life and i've spoken one-on-one personally with some musicians and they have told me of experiences and instances in their music where this has happened my whole point is that yes if you want to get across these messages that you have and everything is energy everything moves at different frequencies so i'm speaking right now and this is coming across as one frequency but when you sing, it's at a higher vibrational frequency. Whenever you talk, you're not really thinking about the pitch. When you sing, you are starting to harness and control those energies. You are starting to have conscious awareness of what you are saying and how you are saying it. And that is powerful. Pairing that over top of a dense amount of energy that is also vibrating in those frequencies aka a beat that makes it even more powerful so ethnomusicologists believe that industrial society's obsession with technical perfection and slick marketable music products has intimidated most people into becoming passive consumers of music rather than active creators there are so many people who could be making music right now but they choose not to because you see the industry already is full of so many talented individuals and they have amazing branding they have great clothing the music production and quality is really amazing but the thing is they did not start there but we see where they are now and we see where we are and then it becomes a comparative game and that's why you psych yourself out of it except music is something that everybody should be able to enjoy and it shouldn't be withheld because you feel like you can't be a superstar you can create music just to create it you don't have to release it you can create it for yourself not everything has to be on display for other people you can keep some stuff private and everyone has the capacity to listen and distinguish patterns of sound so whenever you make music you know it's going to be a message that people can register but there are ways that you can use music to your own benefit which is what i'm specifically talking about in this podcast so music comes from a place of vulnerability you know anyone can make music but i think that that's also another stopping factor is that when you make your own music the thought of releasing it is honestly very intimidating because it's very vulnerable and you don't realize just how vulnerable it is until you do it yourself because you put so much time and energy into this product that you created the more involved you are in a song the higher the stakes are for you and making music is a fundamental part of what it means to be human but when you laugh for example that is not speaking it's at a different frequency it's at a different pitch a different tune you can differentiate between laughter and speaking you can also differentiate between singing and talking but when laughter is placed within a song you don't see them trying to extend the notes change the tone or the pitch it's just what it is it is laughing because laughter alone requires more energy laughter comes at a high vibration a high frequency and so does singing one thing i want to touch on really fast is music theory because we have this basic fundamental of what music is but music theory is another important concept to understand i'm not going to teach you music theory in this but i am going to open your mind to it music theory is a practice used to understand and communicate the language of music 
It examines the fundamentals of music. Now, basic music theory defines the elements that form harmony, melody, and rhythm. Those are components that all feed towards music creation. It identifies compositional elements like form, tempo, notes, chords, key signatures, intervals, scales, and more. You know, it recognizes musical qualities such as pitch, tone, timbre, texture, dynamics, and others. An important thing is this is just a tool to help you commune and understand music. It's to help you mold music in a way that reflects the ideas within your mind that you are trying to express and communicate. With music theory, it allows you to stand back and see music from a different perspective, a more analytical perspective, which then makes you question the math within music because whenever you begin to work with music, whether you're working with sheet music, you're working with creating beats, you see when they're bringing in the harp, you see when certain notes are meant to be played, you will notice that they are spaced evenly in very mathematical proportions because math is so interrelated in music. And this concept also has to do with what I was thinking in my meditation. Music has been around for so long, it has not died out. There has to be a reasoning. How has it sustained itself this long? The chords don't change over time. They don't fade. They remain, and it's because it's made out of energy. So I found an article called Math and Music, Do Numbers Rule the Universe? Written by Eli Mayer, and he had a lot to say. So I'm gonna tell you what I found. You can tell a lot about someone because of their music taste, because like frequencies attract each other. You resonate at a certain frequency, and you listen to music that reflects that. That's why people who listen to similar music end up hanging out together because you're vibrating at like frequencies. The way our species controls and understands the universe is through numbers. Ancient Greeks were the first real mathematicians, led by Pythagoras, of course. Their motto was numbers rule the universe. The Pythagoreans, this group, you know, they looked at the cosmos as a single unity of music, astronomy, geometry, and number theory, which was called arithmetic. Music was ranked equal to science, and they used it to explain the orbits of the planets and stars. But the Pythagoreans were a cult. They swore to keep their discussion secret, so no written record survived. Kind of rude, because they're gatekeeping a lot of really cool shit, but whatever, you know, I... I gotta move on. But we do know a few things. So what we do know is that Pythagoras experimented with vibrating string. He found that if you divide a string by a ratio of two to one, three to two, or four to three, and you pluck the strings as you would on the guitar or a violin, the resulting notes would have a harmonious relationship. And from there, they made the leap to say that the whole universe ran according to the simple numbers that Pythagoras found the two to one, three to two, and four to three. And that idea influenced science negatively for a few thousand years. <laughs> they really had this idea, they kept it secret, but they did let out a little bit of information and what they did let out fucked up science. Like, God damn it, you guys, I love humans. One Pythagorean was named Johann Kepler. I will be referring to him as Kepler, okay? And he believed that the orbits of the planets coincided with the musical laws of harmony. He realized that the idea was wrong, but the Pythagoreans believed that math underlies everything. They were real mathematicians, you know? Even talking is mediated through mathematical operations on ones and zeros. Whenever you're learning a new language, you might notice that there is a certain tempo, there's a certain rhythm or speech pattern. Especially in the arts, math underlies a lot 
whenever you are painting, you are utilizing geometry. You are understanding where you want to place a hand, the proportions of where you want to place spelling at. You want it to be centered and the way that you would get these quote-unquote perfections would be through math. If you want harmony, you have to look mathematically into it. You can play a middle C and then you can jump the octave up to the next C on the scale and you're going to find it's going to be harmonious and that's because it's a two-to-one ratio. Those are the harmonious relationships that help prove that music is math. Music has to do a lot with hand-eye-ear coordination. For example, would be that your hand adjusts the reverb knob to the right a little bit and your eye sees you move this knob to the right and your ear hears it become more spacious and echoey. Creating music is a very active process that allows for an abundance of focus. Pythagoras' theory of universal harmony may have failed us, but his ratios today do stand true. The two to one. An octave is two of the same note with one pitched at double the frequency of the other. Notice the words frequency in that. You know, there's a three to two ratio, which is a perfect fifth. Perfect fifth is from the root to the top note of a bass major triad chord. Triads are three notes that are placed evenly apart. They are spaced in such a way that the three notes align and the distance from the first to the second note is the same as the distance from the second to the third. And when you play all of those three notes together, you will find a harmonious relationship lies within them. Later, musical theorist and philosopher Theodore Adorno suggested the new music of the early 20th century. It was about expressing sounds that reflected the increasingly industrial world around them, describing the universe as they saw it in art, which is what the Pythagoreans had hoped to do. The Pythagoreans had a lot of things that they had wrong, but they did have a few ideas that they had right. Overall, their main idea and goals are collectively regarded as, I see where you were going with that. You didn't execute it properly, but I think we can, and I think we can help you get to where you were going. And when music is reflecting this world around us, well, that's why you see times and genres changing. That's why in the 70s, you will find music being more groovy. It's more down to earth, and it's because reflection of the times. Look at the culture in the 70s. You have the 90s, for example, a lot of tiny, short mini skirts and low-waisted jeans, and then you'll find different pop songs that almost have a very similar sound to the visual aesthetic of that era. That is for a reason. It's because people are trying to understand this world around us and we create music to try and understand that. Right now, you have the emergence of hyperpop in the past decade or so. Where the fuck did that come from, right? Now, we, we have techno that is emerging. You ever listen to Russian techno? That shit is insane. But these genres are all emerging because we are progressing as a society. That's why music is also so timeless because it is a sort of snapshot of what was going on at the time it was made. And that's why we're able to really look back and understand certain eras and decades based off just music alone. You have the Beatles who used their music as an actual powerful stepping stone for their own voice. So music is a model of the relationship of order and chaos meeting at a middle ground. You have an idea, a concept within your own mind. And as you start placing down your idea into this reality, you see it's a messy blob. It's, it's a mess, but you have to spend time on it. You have to put in the energy and organize it. And you create organization and order through the chaos that you birthed, that you put into this reality. And I think that that also aligns with the universe. The universe spawned from one tiny point. It was chaos at one point, but it organized itself. It has these pockets that are denser in other areas. It is organized to a degree. 
and it created that order out of chaos and i believe art is almost a reflection of that so legions of top scientists play instruments purely because they love it you have albert einstein who played the violin you have a lot of the greatest minds who also have a deep investment in music one point that i want to bring up is the lack of music inclusivity within the school systems today. Music, it was one of the quadriviums. The quadrivium is a group of four subjects that were studied in the middle ages and they included arithmetic, geometry, astronomy, and music. These four subjects were regarded highly and they were studied all together. Yet in today's society, music and art is almost considered frivolous at times. That's not to say that people aren't appreciating it and that there aren't some schools that are really trying to incorporate it. But I always notice that funding is a bit lower for the arts. Yet the arts are so integral into being a part of society. I mean, the school system alone is really fucked and old and timely and was created by Rockefeller who wanted to condition us to work in factories in the first place. But that is a whole other topic for another podcast. And after you understand that math and music are so interlinked, that makes you see music from a more educational standpoint and i found an article titled a hymn to the stars what happens when science puts the universe into music which was another thing that i was thinking about in my meditation we as humans feel this innate oneness at times with a force that's larger than our own in an attempt to understand this we try and create some logic and reasoning from it and one way to do that is through music you you have this idea this feeling and it's so beautiful and you want to try and transfer that into something tangible what i found inside this article written by yael nays is that music and astronomy have long been linked so a few of the stars moved with respect to others and the ancients knew of seven of them. We've talked about the universe, right? We understand that. But within space, our ancestors didn't have access to be able to see what was in space to the degree that we are able to today. And even today, there's going to be topics that are going to be proved wrong in generations to come. The ancients knew that there were seven of the stars that moved with respect to others. So they were moving within an orbit. And those seven that they knew of were Mercury, Venus, Mars, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, plus the sun and the moon. Sound familiar, that number? Well, that would go on to inform the days of the week and the musical scale. So they really took these planets and they said, there were seven. I count seven. That seems very interesting. Let's create seven days of the week. They'll represent each one. And they created the musical scale because they thought that music was divinely linked to the planets. And because of that, they thought that each note would then correlate to a different planet. And that number actually extends further have you noticed that there are seven chakras there are seven colors in the rainbow so many synchronicities along those lines where it is seven but they don't teach you that in school do they they don't tell you why it is seven they just say there were seven days of the week monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday and that's it but why why do we have those days why are they even named that you know and to the ancient greeks each planet hung on a sphere which in turn revolved around the earth so when two spheres would pass each other they assumed that they would make sound and that the sounds would be perfect and that sprung forth terrestrial music obviously this theory has been proved incorrect i just think it's very interesting to know that originally we as humans believe that earth was the center of the universe and we believe that as they were rotating the spheres 
would pass each other. It was almost like, you know whenever you throw a ball and it hits a wall, the noise of the ball hitting the wall? So they thought that the two spheres passing would then incur a noise. And that noise they believed would be harmonious because how could the planets produce something that's not divine? That's what they believed. And that's why they said, hey, if they're making music up there, we should be making that music down here. Let's get that started, terrestrial music. That's why in the Middle Ages, astronomy and music were grouped in the quadrivium. The German astronomer, Johann Kepler, he was known to draw on this ancient Greek concept of music of the spheres, which is the music that they will create as they pass, which is also known as musica universalis. And he used that concept to map out the planetary system. He thought that the sun wasn't at the center of the cosmos, as I said, they thought that the earth was, and that the planets orbited in an elliptical motion, not a circular. But if you have that theory and you believe that the planets orbit in an elliptical motion, well, that theory made it impossible to associate associate a single note with a single planet. Because when you're moving in an elliptical motion rather than a circular, you're moving around not in a perfect pattern. Therefore, if you are associating the movement of the planets with notes, then you'll notice these planets are now at ratios that are not perfect. You're not moving in a perfect circle, you're moving in an oval, right? You're moving in a way that is not conducive to your theory. So instead of admitting that this theory was not correct, instead Kepler said, you know, if a planet's gonna be not mathematically proportionate to the other planet, and it's not gonna be harmonious in that way, then it must be harmonious in a melody instead. There's so many notes, actually, that it sounds beautiful. Yeah, you'll find that that theory uh, doesn't stand firm with modern educated findings today. Go figure. But following Kepler, those who believed in him and those who saw what he was trying to do, they created a few rules to map the sky with sound. They wanted to do this logically. Music is almost a way to harness energy in the frequencies that you desire to put out. And the few rules that they developed was that intense light in an image of space would translate into intense volume. A brighter object produces a louder sound within the music. A sound's duration corresponds to the object's appearance. So if in this image there was a star, it would be short. If it was a nebulous cloud, it would be long. They wanted to group these astral bodies into categories. Again, wanting control. And the last rule would be that pitch reflected the light frequencies or spatial coding. So the higher an object was within an image, the higher the pitch. See, now that one, I can't really, I can't really get behind that rule because that's fully coming down to user error. That's on the image. How are you, how, I can place an object at the bottom. I can place an object at the top. It's just on how I frame it. What the fuck? And they even went as far to signal certain instruments and categorize those. So bells were used for x-rays, strings were for invisible light, and piano for infrared. That's why a lot of classical music is regarded so highly. In my research, I really delved into that. I found celestial sounding music and it's actually one of the music that I prefer now. When you understand that in some compositional pieces, they are trying to reflect the sounds of the universe into a tangible form that we are able to process and hear, and you understand which instruments are for what, you can start getting this visual image. The music becomes so interactive, it's so beautiful. I understand why people love classical music. I personally very much 
enjoy it. If you yourself are interested in hearing this, one composer that I can highly regard to you is Gustav Holst. He created a collection of music called The Planets. One piece is on Mars, Venus, Mercury, and it goes on to Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. When you start understanding that aspect of music, you can start looking at how music is a universal language. I found an article called Music is a Universal Language, and this was written by Harvard, so we getting into the good shit. And they found that across societies, music is associated with behaviors like infant care, healing, dance, and love. Songs that share behavioral functions tend to have similar musical features. To break that down for you, dance music sounds vastly different from a lullaby that's intended to put somebody to sleep. The functions of these music are grouped into genres for a reason. They have different behavioral functions. You are not going to play country music at a techno rave. POV, me walking into the classical rave, like, no, but like, on a, on a real note, that's, that's why. That's why we have genres. Another article that I found titled Music, the Universal Language by Michael Neufeld is that the way you learn music and the content of it is universal all around the world. So a D chord is a D chord everywhere. That's why you're able to listen to Tchaikovsky and it sounds the same every time. It doesn't differ from the language of origin. We have so many things in the world that we argue about, but one thing that humans have collectively agreed on is music. We agree that a middle C is a middle C. And music can carry such emotional weight across a variety of cultures and nations. By doing so, it transmits power, messages, and feelings when words cannot. You can take it back to the distant times when most humans did not know how to read, when reading was a privilege. And to get messages across, a lot of times, someone would sing. Because when words are insufficient, when you're not allowed to speak about certain topics, you can transfer it into music you can listen to music of other languages that you don't understand and you're able to pick up if it's a sad song a happy song you don't need to always understand it verbally but you can understand the feeling one example of a song that you can understand the tone to it is Hugaste Sufri, which is by Esleban Armado, which is featuring Danny Lux. That is a very melancholic song. It's sad, and you can tell, but I don't have to understand Spanish completely to understand it. So what happens when you're able to actually understand the lyrics? This is where I was meditating, and I was listening to the lyrics in association with the beat, and in my mind, I started creating these connections of the lyrics are resonating at a very similar frequency to the background of the beat that they were placed with. When you add lyrics on top of this beautiful musical composition that you have now created, it becomes more potent. Lyrics have the potential to increase two of the five elements of well-being on a scale called the PERMA model, which entails positive emotions and meaning. And when you mindfully listen to meaning-filled music, you are able to increase two of the five elements of well-being. PERMA is an acronym, each letter standing for a different element of well-being. This stands for positive emotions, engagement, positive relationships, enhanced meaning, 
and achievement. When you are able to really incorporate these elements into your life, you will find a higher quality of being. And when you listen to music, you are able to instantly activate at least two of those. Music has the ability to influence your emotions and has been well studied from mood regulation, rumination, to self-expression. Victor Hugo said, music expresses that which cannot be put into words and cannot remain silent. When you add in the lyrics and you create this song, you start to feel these thoughts. When you feel these thoughts, you're able to influence your emotions. Neuroscientists conducted a study where 18 mothers allowed their newborns between one and three days old to have an MRI scan. Well, when the mom spoke to the babies, they noticed that the babies used music processing networks to understand their mother's voices. The babies could hear their mom's voices as music. And music and language processes are very closely connected in the brain. And song is represented across other animal worlds, like birds and whales, for example. Birds sing, whales have calls, and music is strongly linked to motivation and to human social contact, right? We get into human behaviors with this. It's like breathing. It's a core human experience. It allows for unique expressions of social ties and the strengthening of relational connectedness. When you're able to express yourself, you get these urges, these needs to express yourself. And when you do, it feels like this amazing release. And Darwin said that both music and consideration of emotions are seen as human core capabilities. Darwin says that humans often use music as a form of expression to a love interest before even speaking those words to them. Because words need human feelings. Words need emotions with it, but not everybody can feel the empathy or compassion that is needed to understand your message. But when you add vibrational frequencies into it, that is speaking on a language that nobody can deny. We all feel vibrational frequencies, so when you really want to get a message across, that is one of the most effective ways. And music is typically something shared, right? It's social. So now that we really have a full concept of music, how it interrelates to the universe, I want to now touch on the frequencies that I've been discussing. So when you get into desires being frequencies, you start getting into the law of energy, which is stating that everything is energy. And we have already talked about that, saying that the universe is made up of the simplest element, hydrogen, and everything is energy. You know, you can break down every single tiny atom and cell within this universe and you will find that at its core, it is energy. Another topic to delve into when you're talking about frequencies is the law of vibration, of course otherwise known as the universal law. That law states that everything, atoms, objects, and living things, is in constant motion. It's vibrating at a specific frequency. So not only is everything made out of energy, but now this energy has purpose. Everything is vibrating at different levels. So what is frequency? Well, frequency is the speed at which something vibrates. When you have energy, you are in motion. When you're in motion, you are vibrating. When you are vibrating, you are at a frequency. And the energy of a space or a group of people isn't something you can see or touch, but it's something you can sense and you can react to. That's why you will say, oh, the vibes of this person is off. I don't like their vibes because of the frequencies that these groups and these people are resonating on. Again, like attracts like. So the idea behind the law is not only that we all have a specific vibrational frequency, but also that we can learn to adjust our vibration, right? The body acts according to the vibration it's in. Now, in order to manifest anything, we must first match the vibration of what it is we are looking for. You only attract vibrations that match up with your vibrations. One saying that I love, I fucking love this, is that the trash takes itself 
out. Like the trash in your life will take itself out. When you get straight about what you want in life and the frequencies that you want to be vibrating at and what you want to be calling into your life, the opportunities that you want, you might find that a lot of the current friends that you have, if they're not exactly good for you and you start making these positive changes for yourself, you're going to be changing your frequency. You might find that you don't find the same things funny as them. You might find that you don't connect with them anymore. You don't see eye to eye. You guys don't even listen to the same music anymore. And it's because your frequencies are not aligned anymore. And what's going to happen is they might walk out of your life or you might walk out of theirs because you realize this. And it's nothing personal either. Why would you make yourself smaller and limit yourself for the accommodation and politeness of somebody else not having the courage to step into their fullness, right? Emotions are powerful guides to shift us into a higher state of being. When you feel these emotions, it's like it takes you on a journey. You are able to feel the emotion and when you feel it, it feels real. Low frequency emotions like shame and fear will make you feel small and belittled. And there's nothing wrong with feeling these low frequencies. There is nothing wrong. This is not saying because you're in a low frequency, you gotta get out. No. If you're in a low frequency, what you want to do is ask yourself how you got there. Why do you feel this way? Look within yourself. And it's like a ladder. You can't just jump from a low frequency to a high frequency. You have to work your way up. And to do that, you have to look within yourself and really work with yourself as a friend, not through degrading or beating yourself up. Higher frequency emotions include joy and love. How do you expect to belittle and degrade your own self and raise your frequency when the exact emotion that you are trying to use to raise raise your frequency is in a low frequency. And our thoughts and feelings all have frequencies. So a thought vibrates to the mind and our thinking manifests into reality. Proctor Gallagher said, if you get emotionally involved in it, it is real. Now this is so important in what I'm discussing with music because if music has a close link with emotions, right, you can start using this to your advantage. You can begin to use this in a way to attract what you want. Start listening to music that resonates for what you want. Listen to the lyrics of the music you're listening to. If you're listening to music that is talking about how much they hate their life and how sad they are, do you expect to possibly call in any form of positive abundance? So an example is to listen to music that has lyrics that align with what you want. What do you want in life? Ask yourself that and then find songs that talk about that because the lyrics are going to match the background of the song. The song is going to be one unit of vibrational frequency honestly and then you're gonna get into the law of attraction when you start talking about this as i've said like attracts like and this is even discussing the level of thought your thoughts have power i've talked about this in my last podcast are in the subconscious see you are expending energy when you think you can have on an upper end 60 to 70 thousand thoughts per day that is so many thoughts that drains your energy and our thoughts images and conversations in our minds hold a certain vibration if you're thinking that thought over and over again or imagining it in your mind you're emitting that frequency on a constant basis we've all gone to go hang out with a friend and you meet with them and you notice that there's something a little bit off right they might not be their usual self and you can tell they don't have to say anything to you and it's because the thoughts that they're having what is consuming their mind is really affecting their frequency but i'm just saying that these frequencies and being able to pick up this energy is an innate human ability and that music can help you really try and hone this our job as humans is to hold on to the thoughts we want we make it clear in our minds what we want and from that we involve the law of attraction i don't know if any of you are familiar with matthias de stefano one thing that he has talked about that i was actually listening to the other day was he was discussing higher frequencies and i want to put this in here 
because I don't want to just give the impression that, oh my god, you should be in a higher frequency because it's amazing for you. You don't want to go into all of this with a mindset of good frequency is all I want. I don't want to be in these negative frequencies. No, it's about holding space to respect your emotions that when you are in these lower frequencies, it's not that when you feel bad, you are manifesting bad things. You start manifesting negatively whenever your subconscious begins to only focus on that. When you are in these higher frequencies, another thing to keep in mind is there must be balance. If you get yourself into this higher frequency extremely fast, you might find yourself crashing. It's because it's like a rubber band. That's that's how I understood from what Matthias was saying. You can't just live this amazing happy life. There's yin and yang. There's as above, so below. You get into alchemy with this. That's when you really start to understand there's no rush to be in a higher vibration of living. It's about the inner work that it takes to get there. I found an article called Opening to the Sacred, Intentional Use of Music to Engage the Spiritual Dimension. This is so cool. Okay, music is structured in certain ways for a reason. It is structured to get a certain message across. Now you can use that to your advantage. You can be intentional with what you're listening to. When you become intentional, you're able to connect with these gateways that allow you to open up your mind to higher possibilities. So when you meditate, you are placed into an altered state. You will have these ideas that do not necessarily come to you when you are just existing and like eating dinner. And that's because you focus on a mind-body-spirit connection and a lot of creative artists will use that to their advantage. When you listen to music and you decide to dance to it, that can give you a sense of being one with the universe and tapping into universal energies because when you really zone into it, it decreases activity in the parietal lobe. This is the scientific reason for why you feel this oneness with the universe when you meditate, when you do yoga, when you dance. The parietal lobe is the part of the brain that helps keep you oriented in three-dimensional space. So when you have activity in this lobe decreasing, it makes you feel almost like you aren't here in reality, like you are floating within, and that's why you feel that way. Examples to get you into that state is meditation, music, and movement. All forms of life have a certain frequency, right, including the human body and all its parts. Moving the body to the frequency of music causes a resonance between the music's frequency and the body's. When you do that for some time and with focused attention, you're not worried about what you're doing later, you're not worried about what work you have or what schooling you have to complete, your stress will decrease. You're going to gain a sense of oneness and when you attune the body to the most natural state, you will get unbiased thought or emotion start flowing through. It's important to allow your body to fully express its own vibratory resonance without control, censorship, or augmentation though. Because when you do that, when you dance without this censorship, you regulate your body to its original tempo. You begin healing it. Through connecting with this music and feeling the rhythm and really getting into it and just letting yourself be expressed, your body will naturally start to regulate its own self. And by regulating itself, it starts to heal itself. Your nervous system will start to relax. You'll move out of fight or flight mode. Regulating your nervous system is such an integral part of healing. And the concept of moving in this way is often referred to as intuitive free movement. So now we see that music has healing benefits and it goes further than that because music can improve cognitive functions of our memory. It can moderate emotional states. You can learn a language. Research has demonstrated that music education improves cognitive abilities. It's enhancing academic achievement across many curriculums like mathematics, languages, science, history. It's why you'll find a lot of parents will place their children into music lessons. It helps develop concentration, listening, 
language development, creativity, comprehension, communication, and order thinking skills. Anita Collins, a musician and educator in Australia, did a study to find connections between music education and cognitive development. So they compared MRI scans of musicians versus non-musicians. And when they gave subjects different tasks like simple math problems, simple reading sentences, and tiny puzzles, they discovered that certain areas of the musician's brain would light up in ways unseen in non-musicians. They saw that musicians have a higher level of executive function. And I know that what I just threw at you is so much and everything i just explained to you is what i realized within a 30 minute time period and i didn't know how to put it to words to be able to effectively communicate this with those around me and have these discussions with them and through my research i now have a solid way to concretely back my findings it's nice to have these ideas and be able to have the tools and resources to look into them and see what other people have thought because i know i'm not the only person thinking this i really appreciate you for listening listening to my antics of what I found while meditating and the research and time I placed into this one thought and theory. I hope that you guys learned something very valuable from this, or at least it makes you see music differently. But I implore you then to take the time to look into it yourself and find your own answers and conclusions. But if you have any ideas that you would like to hear me talk about, shoot me a message on Instagram at celestial.com. Com. And I also sell my artwork because I do paint. I sell prints and the originals on my Depop. And I resell my own clothing as well on there. My Depop handle is EuphoricNPC. And I recently put out a video on my creative process with painting that you can view on YouTube as well at Celestial.com. But for all of the links, they are in the bio of my Instagram. And you can see everything that I put out through there. My name is Talia Rosa Almeida. And I will see you next time. Go stream without you. <laughs> <laughs>